Welcome to the Founders and Creators podcast, a series of interviews and discussions with founders, creators, and leaders from the tech industry in Milton Keynes and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by Protospace, an initiative to support, connect, and grow the tech community in Milton Keynes. Today we're speaking with Dr. Christiana Pache, founder of Innovation Consulting Limited, a strategic sustainability consultancy focusing on the motorsport sector, which also delivers STEM projects nationally and internationally. Christiana is a well-known speaker in technology transfer, motorsport, e-mobility, STEM and diversity. Hi, Christiana. Hello, thanks for inviting me. So, um, for the audience, I mean, could you sort of maybe give us a bit of, um, well, just love to hear your background, really, kind of how, how you got started in, I guess, where your industry you really came from, which I know is, is, I guess, from a lot of it's from motorsport, and I guess how you come into that. Yeah, so, well, the industry I always work with is motorsport. I'm an engineer by background, um, and I always have been working in uh, mainly like developing safety device and uh, safety things for motorsport. But in uh, 2009, I got involved with the FIA Institute that was for sustainability and motorsport safety. And that's, then I started to gain a bit of awareness about sustainability. Then uh, I think uh, how everything started is really like in 20, uh, 2012, I started at Williams Advanced Engineering. That was a spin-off of Williams F1. And uh, I was tasked with a group of us uh, to write the strategy for Williams Advanced Engineering. And the strategy was all based around electrification, new energy, sustainability. Um, and that is kind of uh, how my knowledge of sustainability and strategy developed. And uh, in 2015, I decided to leave Williams and to go back to do a PhD in sustainability and strategy management in Coventry. And actually, um, the day that I left Williams was June, actually, 2015. The CEO from, like, the former CEO of Williams Formula One, uh, Michael Driscoll, he called me in for just have a chat and a coffee. And um, he suggests me to read this uh, fantastic book that uh, was um, from um, Alan Jones called uh, Doing Good is Good Business. And initially, I didn't really know what he meant. You know, like, I just go away from Williams to do a PhD and then I don't know what I want to do I may come back I may not but actually reading that book I actually understood that I wanted to set up my own company to drive the sustainability in motorsport and that book is actually lots of story of companies that started doing good things for the environment for uh, for society and then then becoming a much bigger company and uh, and they build up their business so it was a bit of a I think from, from Mike that after my PhD, I should possibly not return um, to Williams, but uh, set up my own company and drive this business of sustainability in motorsport a bit further. Uh, just to touch back on the motorsport, just to sort of for your history, because uh, I, I didn't actually know this as a, a fact that came out earlier was, um, so you, you're one of the first women to be in, actively involved in motorsport trackside as a performance engineer? Um, yeah, well, uh, there were actually there were already quite a lot of wom uh, women in motorsport. Um, there were uh, uh, especially like IT technicians. There seems to be there used to be quite a few of them. There was a uh, girls at Lige time, so quite a long time. But I was actually the first woman to be um, involved with the FIA in their technical department. Uh, at that time, we were only seven, and I was uh, the new kids on the block. I was only twenty six, <laughs> so, and it was fantastic to work with them. Everybody was uh, really, really nice and uh, really wanted to teach me 
things. So I used to like bring my book and uh, ask questions at dinner and any times really. Um, yeah, so that is uh, how I started the motorsport. Um, it was uh, it was a bit daunting because uh, there were not many women in a technical position and it was very difficult initially. But I had the full support of everybody, and uh, if I had our time, my boss will sort it out. So it was not was it was kind of like having that positive figure that uh, actually makes sure that you grow and make sure that uh, you don't see the hurdles as really negative, but you learn from them and uh, you can move on. So. Why sustainability in motorsport? Well, I always think that motorsport is a small industry, actually, and everybody is uh, making a wow about uh, motorsport is unsustainable and we do lots of carbon footprint. And But we have to compare with other industries. We are really small industry and our carbon emissions, for example, are much smaller than transport or events or other things. But I think uh, motorsport has got a really big visibility so it can actually make people change. And especially that kind of audience, uh, the motorsport capture that is between 40 and 60, that possibly is not educated in sustainability. So seeing uh, the positive change of motorsport, uh, that can really change how these people behave or think or, or what's and increase sustainability as a global goal, really. So you touched on sort of, I guess, sort of how you got started, but is there, you know, is there any more, you know, you can tell us on your journey? Because I guess you're not like a, I guess, like a traditional like a tech startup company per <laughs> se, are you? So. No, it's, um, so while I was doing my PhD, um, I think in the writing up year, so 2018, I just decided to set up this company and mainly because I had a request from the FIA, that is the Federation, to do a legacy uh, programs with them and to build up uh, like um, STEM educational activity on engineering. Um, this program is still going on, it's called Girls on Track, and uh, we deliver the activities around the world. That is mainly like uh, my activities, actually building and coding with Lego and teaching the girls, how, like primary school girls, how to do that. So the idea was, okay, sustainability is not just environment, it's three pillars, it's financial and social. So let's start with the social pillar. That is what, what everybody seems to uh, be onto at the moment, because the CSR has been... Uh, around longer than sustainability and then let's uh, try to change people's mind <laughs> and get uh, to understand that sustainability is not just social sustainability but is kind of uh, environmental and financial as well so i started uh, with that with these programs with fi in 2018 where i built the activity for them and uh, went and implement the activity all around the world for them and then uh, um, i think about four or five months later um, after one of the activities that we ran in Saudi Arabia for just for, like uh, targeting girls from primary and secondary education, um, the FIA was asking, oh, would you do a bit of consultancy to help us to build our sustainability strategy? I was like, oh, that's great. That's what I want to do with my company. So I think that was um, the moment where what I really wanted to do uh, came out and there's another stakeholder actually see in motorsport uh, could see what I was doing and could actually start them start asking, okay, let's explain a bit more. Why we should have that? And then I think uh, this 2020 has been a, a bit of a pivotal years because um, uh, FIA has launched their sustainability strategy, Formula One has signed the UNFCCC and the Formula E has grown much more in our world championship. So it's like all the stakeholders starting suddenly to realize that they were very behind everybody else on sustainability. So the business started to grow 
quite um, organically, I would say, from then. Can I, can I just ask, the, the motorsport industry, or specifically Formula One, what components, what technology contributes to them being more sustainable? Well, it's really a mix. So it's like uh, when you talk about sustainable, it's not just the car itself. There is quite a lot of programs for advancing, well, obviously, uh, like the efficiency of the engine or electric engine, that's, uh, we all know that, and there's quite visible change. But there is quite a lot of programs as well on materials, on carbon fibers and natural fiber, and trying to find alternative materials for the car itself. Um, I'm not sure if you know, like McLaren has got a partnership with a natural fiber company that for doing their seat. Uh, just through and to experiment bits of uh, different uh, uh, material if you want in it with a lower carbon footprint but also um, like if you look a bit more of an holistic view teams also need sustainability for for their headquarters so it's also like what Jill was saying like energy storage for your energy is, is anything is everything's really uh, waste management system every like food health so anything's uh, like they need all these uh, to be formalizing kind of a plan for te for the 10 years uh, how they can uh, um, try to improve their environmental and their social pillar they're doing really well for their social pillars already so it's really mainly with the environmental uh, pillar that they need help at the moment i read you had some um involvement in terms of the batteries in formula e as well could you just talk a little bit about about that so when I was in Williams Advanced Engineering, uh, we in 2013, we got uh, awarded the, the RFQ was and pro a proper tender for uh, building the, the first uh, uh, Formula E um, electric battery, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of uh, took on board because some of the stakeholders knew me already from the FIA. Uh, they can, I was asked actually to take the lead of that project technically. So I had my 20... 20, 25 people building their battery, designing the battery, testing the battery, giving putting the battery in fire to see what you should have done for it <laughs> with the fire brigade trying to write the protocols because at that time it was quite early times for batteries. It was 2013, 14 people didn't really understand what to do with them and how to handle them. Um, so it's kind of like my knowledge of uh, electric uh, motorsport comes from that, really, uh, from the time at Williams Advanced Engineering uh, um, running their programs. Uh, and the programs have been really successful. Uh, I'm sure you know that uh, Williams Advanced Engineering was reawarded uh, Generation 3 battery that is in two years' time for Formula E. So obviously it's like their legacy with battery is still going very strong. What, what have you learned about the uh, about the industry so far? Have you had any any insights that you get, that you can share? Anything interesting? In terms of sustainability, I think yeah. everybody is progressing, and everybody has done um, uh, some step in the past, but they haven't come together very organically. So what I see from the industry at the moment is uh, you got the. Um, stakeholder that the historic stakeholder that have always been there what everybody called the incumbent and it's kind of like uh, they've done things but they're very fragmented and they, what they need is help in trying to formulate a well-rounded sustainability strategy linked with the SDG with the, and, and everything like that and then you got the new like the new kids on the block the new championship like uh, I'm not sure if you have seen the press release e-scooter for example like an um, electric scooter championship so you got other championship with a really innovative idea and really good because micro mobility electric micro mobility is uh, 
is the next big thing. Mm. Um, and then that is where you actually started from zero because they are new, so you don't have anything to build on top blocks. Mm. But it's, um, it's very demanding to build from zero, but at the same time, uh, it's very um, like it's a positive challenge because uh, you can tackle some of these subjects that haven't tackled, that will not be tackled from other. Uh, motorsport branch, if you if you know what I mean, like for example, the macro mobility is um, um, has got its challenge with sustainability as well, and this scooter hopefully will uh, help to address this challenge and to propose some solution, uh, technical and not technical as well. Sorry, you could say you you've just been appointed, haven't you, for the leader? Yeah, on I'm I'm going to lead um, their uh, sustainability commission. Uh, for the scooter that has got as well power on sport. So we're going to kind of uh, um, be in the sustainability governing <laughs> body, if you want, for, uh, for, the, for the scooter championship. So uh, we will set the standard and we will set the roadmap of what they have uh, to improve in, t- in terms of technology, like the scooter itself as a device, and in terms of event as well, the sustainability of the event. Very relevant as well, isn't it? Um, the fact that Milton Keynes is, is now covered in, covered in e-scooters, <laughs> which may not have had the opportunity to be used as much during the pandemic. But um, it's interesting to kind of think about, you know, what this will look like in five years time. You know, what, what, is, um, what do you kind of see that space, this, this kind of, you know, electric last mile um, technology. How, do, you, do you have any insights into, into what you expect to see from that? Well, the prediction that I've read is actually a massive growth for that. Mm. Um, and that is uh, the, the thought behind having a sustainability commission for the scooter, for example, um, because uh, wh- whoever is the provider of the scooter that you're looking at that are deployed at the moment, uh, except for a couple of, well, except for one of them, actually, they don't really have a sustainability strategy. They don't know what they're going to do with their battery after. And these batteries are smaller than the battery that are in a car, but we're going to have many more of these scooters. So it's kind of like we're going to have the same size problem that we're going with the EV cars. So the idea is addressing this challenge in a visible way that is in that, that is a, the motorsport because motorsport is more visible than any, well, not any other sport, but I would say it's the second most visible thing after football. Um, so addressing these things should help the industry as well to understand the greater challenge and to help uh, in solving that problem. So the commission will not just be with people from the motorsport um, industry, but will actually involve people from um, the micromobility sector as well. Uh, and uh, some uh, people from universities, just like a forum where also everybody could discuss uh, how to get everything, to get micromobility more sustainable. You uh, tell us a bit about your approach, your social approach, and impact of sustainability. Well, uh, obviously, like I work quite a lot with local communities. Um, well, as you know, Richard, we had done a, like a program with um, Silverstone Innovation Park and Hexagon for uh, helping, uh, well, teaching kids uh, to uh, code in rural school around the Northamptonshire. Um, but also, it's like um, um, I've always. Uh, well, I've always been a big fan of uh, diversity and inclusion and gender equality. So it's like <laughs> um, uh, we built quite a lot of programs as well on related to that, uh, to, for, ex- for example, to increase the uptake of STEM subject for women 
uh, and uh, as well to get more women into motorsport and these girls on track for example is one of these uh, programs um, with FIA where we go around the world we went to Mexico we went to uh, Saudi Arabia we went to Berlin and uh, we uh, getting the girls to come to the track and to do different activity every day and to understand what motorsport is. That is not just engineering, it's also presenting, it's also doctors, you know. And the, the, the link with motorsport and social is like the possibility of showcasing and include the old society as well, um, like the minorities or uh, like the people that may be with a different social background. So it's quite powerful, I think, the motorsport take on the social. Do you think you'll get to that point where it is really uh, the gender parity is even? <laughs> have you seen a change in, in your time? Yeah, I have to say I've been in motorsport 21 years now. <laughs> it's quite a long time. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and it's refreshing to walk uh, into a garage and to see so many girls actually being technical. Because I remember the first time I walked into a garage, I walked in, into a garage that was a test uh, in Imola circuit in Italy. And uh, one of the English mechanics from VAR that uh, then became Honda and Brown Mercedes said to me, well, you know, we don't really want women in the garage. The press room is upstairs. And I was like, whoa, I'm here to actually do my job. Yeah. But he didn't realize because there were not many women there. So it wasn't his fault. It was just that there was not a critical mass or anybody for him to, to understand that I was there to do my engineering job. But now it's different. You walk in and you see lots of women working on the car. And also you see on, on tele, I'm sure you have seen on television, um, like there is much more, exposure I think uh, in the in this sense I, I wouldn't say we are at 50 percent in terms of uh, definitely we are not a 50 percent in terms of driving yeah. but in terms of working in technical role I would say we possibly have just eaten the 25 percent that is really good target if you compare that um, the target for the automotive industry for 2030 is 30 percent so we're not that far off yeah. with the automotive industry yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And hopefully it will kind of speed up a bit more and it will get to that 50%. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. We, we got a small community with Motorsport UK go, uh, called the Girls on Track Motorsport UK. And uh, Formula One have been trying to do lots of webinars to showcase the women that work in Formula One, not just technical, but also like communication and press. And it's like the uptake of girls, even 10 years old, because obviously it's remote so they can just connect and watch it, is amazing. And it's like uh, having like uh, 80, 80 young girls that are watching like a woman already in the industry talking and uh, interacting with them. is, uh, is uh, I think that there is... Um, there is also this uh, legacy that we want to leave, like as an older people, older woman in motorsport, to try and to encourage even more. So I think uh, it's all uh, you know, with time, it's all like untangling very nicely and all coming together. Nice, nice. It must be quite refreshing for something like the e-scooter championships that that's very new. It doesn't have any legacy there. Um, I mean, does that that gives an opportunity for women women riders? I guess they're yeah. riders rather than drivers, aren't they? Um, uh, now, yeah, is um the the rider like we the scooter has already started their uh, rider recruitment, and that is uh, like diversity is one thing we want to see. Being um being uh, like micro mobility is much more affordable 
than being a Formula One car or a Formula Four car. So we are expecting to see a number of uh, women, but also like uh, um, other like uh, like other diversity to be yeah. included quite um, quite a lot. So and I'm looking forward to that. Not having a legacy is good in the sense that you can build from scratch, but mm. also is very demanding because uh, there is great as- greater as- expectation as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, how, out of curiosity, how, how do those applications work? I mean, it's great that you have that kind of socioeconomic diversity as well, because that, that's, that'd be something new. That barrier is dropped immediately. Yeah. How, how are those kind of applications working for people who are interested in getting involved in, in, in the e-scooter championship? So for the e-scooter, I think if you go on the website, that uh, live. Uh, there is just like uh, you apply for it and then there will be like uh, some test uh, to give you the license mm-hmm. and then uh, so, um, we'll be we'll organize uh, some uh, some days where people can go out and scoot and uh, they, like ex drivers ex F1 driver actually can see um, how they they scoot and they can decide um, it's a it's a bit of a, a very complete sport because uh, he, he actually you need obviously you need to have the balance that people on mountain bikes or BMX use or freestyle scooter. But at the same, you need to have the speed and the awareness that uh, motorsport like Formula One drivers or motorbikes drive use. So it's um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this coming together. For the socioeconomical things, I think uh, I have to just say one little bit of things. Um, there used to be an academy in England called Racing Steps. Uh, was like a philanthropy, a philanthropic academy that uh, used to help young driver that didn't have the capability, like the, the economic uh, availability, just say that, to go through the ranks. And that, uh, that was the reason, like, I think they f- he finished a couple of years ago, but that had uh, some really great story. Um, Ori- Oliver Lo- Roland, that uh, is racing with uh, Formula E, with Nissan, the Nissan team, is one of uh, the... Uh, I, I call it kids because they're much younger than me, but one of the driver, like the professional driver that came out of the academy that actually give enough budget for really gifted and good drivers to race and to come up, up to Formula One or Formula E. Amazing. So what's uh, the plans for innovation consulting this year? So innovation uh, consulting this year has been really busy, I have to say. <laughs> we had no holiday at all and uh, uh, trying to also juggling uh, the uh, homeschooling, uh, the ma- <laughs> mainly the maths for me. <laughs> so the English, I, I wouldn't uh, even attend. So. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really busy year and we are growing. So we were, we were actually drawing from a group of associates for some of our projects, but this year we are expanding and uh, we're getting people on board and we're getting much structure as well because the contract seems to get longer, so it's easier to do that. Um, also, to make sure that we are inclusive and uh, we very diverse, we just open a, 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 like a, a work experience for uh, students around the area. We got our first student that will do two weeks with us uh, for uh, uh, during Easter. Well, obviously virtual because of this COVID situation, but still very good. Um, and uh, we got um, someone coming on board soon that uh, is as well finishing off his uh, MBA and then hopefully will stay with us. Um, but yeah, so we, we're growing. So that's, um, 
I think the plan is getting a bit more structure from uh, a small micro company to build uh, like a, um, I wouldn't say a much bigger company in the sense that uh, I think sustainability is still a niche in motorsport, but at least uh, a good size company. You seem to be the go people to speak to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Founders and Creators, brought to you by Protospace. To find out more about this podcast and our initiative, visit protospace.uk.